to see that being established. And, and, and I, think, I believe this is all part of the puzzle that God is doing in this region. You know, God is wanting to develop, develop to see the fivefold begin to be manifested and to become established, but then to become demonstrated as well. You know, in order for us to be able to function as a fivefold, to be function as an apostolic hub, then we need to begin to position those people in place to be able to function, to see the fullness and the big picture of what God's going to do. So I'm really, really blessed uh, to have Felix and Pastor Felix and Pastor Vicky with us. You know, we've got some great things we're going to be releasing in the coming time. Um, but I will just kind of share this, you know, we're about to launch a children's ministry. Come on. It's going to be an awesome time. We're believing that the Lord's going to send the children that we're going to need, that, that's going to be filled, they're going to be fed. Not just fed with just a word, but I'm talking about the power of evangelism, supernatural encounters to walk in the glory and the power and the presence of God. Come on. There's no such thing as a baby Holy Spirit. <clears throat> There's not. I'm going to tell you what, I, I, I've known kids, I've seen kids as little as two years old having conversations with the Lord. Having encounters with God, I do not, I do not discredit or discount our, our young kids. I remember what Bob Jones once said. He said, a church without the kids, a church without the youth is a dead church. Ho, oh, ho. Come on. Let that play with somebody's religion. But I believe that. I believe that. I believe the Lord is about to establish something in this region. And it, it, look, listen, this is going to be a lighthouse. Ha, ha. Yep. It's going to be a lighthouse for what God's going to do. And I say that, I, I just felt that in the spirit, and I didn't even think about that right now. But that was the name of the church that they pastored for many, many years out there in El Campo, Texas, out there by, close by Houston. They were, the, they were the senior pastors of the Lighthouse Christian Fellowship Center. Huh. And, and the Lord just said this would be a lighthouse. So I just feel that's a confirming word what the Lord wants to do. He's about to illuminate. He's about to highlight something significant and something special in the region. And guess what? Everybody who's watching right now, you get to be a part of that. Right now, it's like a media revival, a global revival. Listen, that you can come on, you can plug in right now. Right now, over 132 nations are able to be reached. All over the world, 65,000 homes in Pakistan are watching on live TV through the Healing Television Network in Pakistan. Come on, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So we cannot get to a place of being just familiar with what we see in the natural here, but we have to see the big picture. God is moving. That's part of the movement that Todd was talking about. It's a movement. It's a global revival. Whew. Holy Ghost. So what I want to do is I want to invite Pastor Felix on up here really quick. I want to have him just share something, uh, what's on his heart, and then, then we're gonna get we're gonna move forward. Come on, bro. <laughs> Amen. You know, to this day I'm still amazed at God. You know, it's like every day I wake up and I'm like, God, you're so wonderful. Amen. How many agree to that right now? You know, because I, I look at where we used to be and where he's brought us. Now, there's times that I've came kicking and screaming, but I've came. <laughs> but, you know, I found out that God knows what he's doing more than I do. Amen. And I'm going to just read the scripture to you real quick. And it's in Proverbs 16, 9. It says, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord 
directs his steps and makes them sure. You know, and, and, and I'm going to just share about me real quick and about me and my family, you know. And when it's God's plan, it will succeed. And I, and I used to sit there and I used to watch on Facebook, on TV. I used to see all these things going on with these ministers and these stadiums and all that, you know, like to be, to be, just to be watching that, what God is doing. But now I'm a part of that. What people were reading a while ago, we're a part of that. That was part of God's plan even when I didn't see it. And we have to understand that, that you know what, that in order for us to, uh, to take on God's plan, sometimes we have to let go of ours. See, because I've always had something in my mind that I want to do this, I want to do that. But was that God's plan? Was that God's will for me and for my family? But when we begin to direct, to follow the directions of the Spirit of God, you know what? We move in a place of success. Not only, you know what? We'll follow the provision, you know, and everything that comes with that. When, in other words, when you're following God, the steps that he, that he ordered for you, when you follow that, everything comes with them because you're following the path of God that he's laid out before you. And even during worship, what I heard, I heard this here, that you know what? That we run the race that's been set before us. Amen. And we have to come to that place. Those that are watching out there, you know, run the race that's been set before you. You know what? And we have to do it unafraid. No, no, no doubt, no, no limitations. Let God be God in your life. And I promise you this, when you allow that, when you say yes, everything that, come, that God is, what he, what, he, what he comes, when he comes, he brings everything with him. We're established. Because you know why? Because we're following the directions that God has given us. And I speak to the people over there in Texas, you know what? You follow the road that God has paid for you. Because I promise you a success. Don't allow the natural or the mind to come and interrupt what God is doing. Because, you know, it's by the spirit that we're led, not by the flesh. You know, and, and for me, you know, my thing is, you know what, I was, I was led by the flesh. Even in ministry sometimes because it didn't look the way I thought it should. But you know what, it was God's plan all along to get us to where we're at right now. Because now we're, I see the bigger picture now. We have to see the bigger picture. We have to see the bigger plan. And then what, you know what? It's God and what he's doing, what he's establishing. You know, and I don't see that as a waste of time, those seven years. But what I see that is preparation to where we're at right now. Because everything you do for the kingdom is never a waste of time. We learn from it and we grow for, from it and we move on and we establish into bigger and greater things. Because even in those times, you know, in those years, what I begin to see, I begin to be stretched and, and see who God really is in me and what he was capable of doing in my lives. And we have to see that. Amen. We have to see the greater picture. And that's God's plan for your life. And don't allow the enemy to steal that. You know, we, when, when we run the race, run it with passion, with vision. In other words, aim at something. No, don't just run aimlessly at, you know, just trying to figure it out. No, you run and, and with, the, with the vision, with the point. Amen. And I promise you, God has you. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's, yeah, that's good. So we're, we're going we're gonna to go on this journey together. Um, so get ready. It's going to be awesome. It's about to get really, really awesome. Well, this morning I'm excited to get to hear... Uh, my amazing wife, Alice, she has a word for us this morning, and uh, I know every time she comes and she shares, it's always fiery. It's always a lot of glory. So 
Come on, let's just welcome Alice. Good morning, everyone. I was like praying this weekend and I had like three messages and I was like, Jesus, you've got to help me here. <laughs> three is not going to work this weekend. So I think he kind of put it together really awesomely. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. But um, I was looking in scripture the other day and I saw a word that really stuck out to me. And today's message is going to be called Becoming Undone. And the Lord just began to show me this word so vividly, like, in my face. And the word was woe. And not the woe, like, woe, like we use in our, you know, our English tradition, like, woe, like, to mean to stop. It was, it's a different kind of woe that's in Scripture. And this woe means, like, a distress, an affliction, trouble, grief, regret, misfortune, um, it means like to escape out of, it seems like uh, to escape out of a, an impossible thing, okay? The word woe in Greek is, and, and I probably am going to chop this up and say it wrong, but that's okay. It's O-U-A-I, it's O-A, is more than an expression of a feeling. It comes from like a very, very deep place. And when they used woe, it was from a very, very deep place that the Lord was showing them something. And it, used to, uh, it says, uh, only used in the holiest of God's, uh, uh, it meant like the, it came from a very holy place of God. That's where it was coming from, this woe. And uh, it says, Jesus used the word more than anyone in the scriptures. If you go look in the word, he used it the most, that word woe. And, uh, and then Jesus used the word woe seven times in Matthew in chapter 23, which meant completion of woes. He was like uh, the seven, it meant in there in Matthew 23, it was a, he, he became the completion, the seven. Like it was crazy because uh, Pastor Felix had no idea I was going to be sharing this this morning, but Jesus came in Matthew in chapter 23 as a completion to what had already been done. And the word was woe that he used in that. And it said, uh, because it was a work that was done perfectly. It was a work that, God, that Jesus had come to do a perfect work in that, in that scripture. Sometimes we have used woe in, in, a, in a place of not being okay. Like we can look at somebody and we can uh, see the distress, the afflictions, and see, like, we begin to see the failures and see, like, the faults in other people and see the woes in other people's lives. But that's not the, that's not the Lord, and that's not the kingdom of God. And so in this, in Ma if we go read Matthew 23, 13, this is one of the woes Jesus used at this time. In Matthew 23, 13, it says, But woe to the scribes and the Pharisees, the hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither entered in yourselves nor allowed those who would enter to go in. See, Jesus came and he's like speaking to the religious leaders. 
And that's something I've seen in a lot of areas where I've traveled to, where the religious mindset, the religious teachings, where they knew the word, but it wasn't alive in their lives. It wasn't a moving, uh, progressive thing in their lives. They just knew the word really, really well, but there was no action, no, no pushing behind that word. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's coming against the religious leaders who believed in their own self-righteousness, what was no righteousness at all. They were taking it on themselves, the Pharisees, and they were like, you know, we're righteous and you're not. And a lot of the times I've seen the body of Christ do that. I, I'm, I'm, I've arrived, I've gotten to where, I, you know, I'm perfect and all these things, and you think because you live like a good life every day and you don't do anything wrong, you think you've arrived. And God's like, no, because you become just like the Pharisees. You're shutting that, you're shutting that door to the heaven that comes in through my kingdom to have movement behind it to get to a deeper place with me because the woe comes from a deep place. And it says, it says, let's see here. I have like tons of notes, so just, just work with me here. <laughs> I just kept writing and writing all kinds of awesome things. But in Isaiah 6, 4, and 5, it says this. It says, this is, this is Isaiah having this amazing encounter. I'm going to read it to you from the beginning. Because I think it was so important to see this and what it really represented. In Isaiah 6, it says, It was a year of King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I started looking up about robes because we speak about royalty in the kingdom of God. Back then, the king's and their kingdoms, whenever they went and they conquered another kingdom, they would literally, after they conquered them, would go and rip off a piece of their robe. And they would attach it to their own robe to signify that country or that area that they had conquered. So the more longer your, your robe was, the more it showed that you had conquered. The more that it showed the train of the robe was, was so long if you conquered more. And so I began to look up all this history about the robe and the royalty of it. And I was like, and so here's Isaiah having this encounter with the Lord. And he's saying that his robe filled the temple because he's the king of all kings. He is the one in charge of all the kings in their kingdoms. So I can't even imagine how long and how big this robe was. Our mind cannot even uh, comprehend the size of the temple. Our mind can't even comprehend the size of the robe and how long it was because Jesus conquered everything. Jesus was the conqueror of all conquerors. He was the king of all kings. And then he comes and he's like, the robe, Isaiah saw the image of that. And he's like, I saw the robe fill the temple. 
And I was like, oh my God, we sing this song because I know there's a song that was written out of this scripture. And we sing it like it's not a big deal. Like, you know, the robe of his, you know, the the robe filled the temple. And we come and we sing this song. And we have no idea the power behind it until you research it. And you're like, oh, my God, that means that he had, like, conquered, like, he had conquered all these things. And his robe was so majestic and so long to fill the temple that that means that he is the most powerful one that conquered all things. So then it says, attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and two, they covered their feet, and two, they flew, and they were calling out each other. Now get this what they say, because Peter was singing about it this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Not just bits and pieces of the world, but the whole earth is filled with his glory. That's what the robe represented. That to me represented the temple. That it was so big and so massive that we can't comprehend or set a measurement in our mind of what that even looked like what Isaiah saw that day. It was unimaginable to see this. People were not having encounters and visions. You can go on Facebook today and hear and see all these encounters and all these visions and all these things like because it's a media revival now. But back then, that wasn't happening. You couldn't go to Facebook Live. You couldn't go to all these things and, and hear visions and encounters the way we do today. And sometimes familiarity comes in that. But I'm telling you, Isaiah, when he had this encounter, it was something new. It was something different Jesus was bringing into the body of Christ. It said their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. The entire building. Look, I'm telling you right now, I've, I've been in services where there is such a thick smoke in the air. Okay, we're from Ohio, right? We live here in Ohio. And you go out and you roam on these streets some mornings, right? And the fog is like crazy thick, right? I've never seen fog like I've seen here in Ohio. Like, they cancel school. They cancel businesses and things of the day because the fog is so thick that you can't see your hand in front of you. That's how crazy thick the fog is here. And the Lord began to show me that when I was praying. And the Lord said, he says, that's, that's just like an idea of what Isaiah saw that day. That the smoke that filled the temple, that it was so thick that you couldn't see your hand in front of you. You couldn't see past what was in front of you. You couldn't see any of that. That's how thick the smoke was in the temple. That's powerful. Then I said, it's all over. And look what Isaiah does. Isaiah has a realization of how powerful this encounter is that he's having with Jesus. And this is what he says. He says, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I am a sinful man, and I have filthy lips. And I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, 
the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to these people. And then he gives all this instruction to Isaiah. He gives Isaiah strategy for the people in that time of what was going to happen. Isaiah had an understanding this day that it was beyond him of what Jesus was going to do. He had a vision. He had an encounter and understood the power of Jesus, the power of God in this moment. I'm going to read another way that it said. It's Isaiah 6, 4 through 5, and this is another version of it. I think this is NLT. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. Then it says, for I am undone, because I am man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He says, woe is me. He realizes that, man, who am I that I'm standing here and I can have this vision and have this encounter? Woe is me that my lips are unclean, that the people around me, their lips are unclean. But yet, God, you're allowing me to encounter, the, encounter this. Yet, God, you're showing up in the midst of this craziness and you're, and you're allowing us to encounter your presence and what it really means to see the Lord of all lords. He had an encounter and he was undone. I think nowadays, and I'm just being transparent, I hear so many people talking about encounters sometimes and talking about these things that they've encountered with Jesus and they say it so lightly. And for me, that's one thing God's taught me for many years is do not devalue, do not minimize the power and the, the encounters and the revelation God gives you at times. Value it, apply it, take it all in before it's even released to others that you have the full understanding, that you, you come to an understanding that, man, I'm nobody, it doesn't matter if God gives me all this revelation and these visions and all these things. I'm still a nobody. Now, if God uses me as a nobody because my, my lips are unclean, then, man, that's powerful. Because he comes and he cleansed my sins and forgave me of everything that I can now step out and have encounters and have these things with the Lord God Almighty and see him and become undone. I think right now, we have not allowed God to cause us to be undone enough. When I see the word undone, I'm like, I see this picture in the spirit of literally Jesus coming with Holy Spirit and unraveling things that us ourselves have raveled ourselves with. 
that have even become stumbling blocks in our lives that he never intended for us to carry and have. That's what undone means. It's like get on your face, let the Spirit of God come and trail around you to cause you to be undone in such a way that it's no longer about you. It's about him. So then I go on, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm just praying, and I'm asking the Lord. See, when the glory of God comes, we become the undone ones. We talk about the glory of God, but see, when the real glory of God comes, you have no choice but to come undone. It doesn't matter how bad you want to stand up, how bad you want to just sit there and act like nothing's happening. Inside of you, your spirit connects with the Holy Spirit and you become undone without even trying to come undone because he undones you. He causes you to be undone. And it says, I read this in a book the other day and it was so good and I just like put a quote of it. It says, a lot of people have conquered the majors, but still have a lot of minors to deal with. Only the glory makes them aware of that. See, if we have not spent enough time in the glory of the Lord, then we begin to see ourselves higher and more powerful and more meaningful to Jesus than other people. Because we haven't allowed ourselves to become undone in his presence. The undoning comes not like, like he wants to come and rip you apart and have judgment on you. The undoning comes because there's things you put on yourself, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul that is not supposed to be there. That we tend to do ourselves. In this, in this undoing that God does, let me tell you, there's clarity of vision there that cannot be, no, it, it, there's clarity in your vision because then you don't have beams, you don't have motes in your eyes, which defects the glory of God and his revelation. See, we cannot look at each other anymore as we're gotten somewhere or we've, we've gained something more than somebody else because None of us have arrived. It's impossible for us to sit together in heavenly places if we cannot sit together in the flesh united by the Spirit. If we're not allowing ourselves to come undone, then we allow our flesh to come in and we have ideas in our own minds about one another. And then the Spirit of God, the presence of God cannot come in, and the glory of God cannot come and sit with us and take us into those heavenly places. So we have to become united in the Spirit. I remember years ago, the Lord began to show me this because I said, God, I said, you know, we have all these ministers, and they get all this stuff, and they get all this revelation, all these things, like, how are we going to even become one with one another? Like, how is that even possible? I told the Lord that. Because at this moment, I saw, like, a lot of discord with the brothers and the sisters in the church. I said, how is that even possible? He said, well, if they all just focus themselves on me, and their eyes are on me, and they're no longer on one another, then what happens is they're in my presence and with my spirit that that connection right there 
Spirit to spirit becomes one because we're all in the same spirit with Holy Spirit, that the unity comes amongst us. But when we begin to see each other with our fleshly eyes and look at each other and have our own um, thoughts, our own judgments, our own things against one another, then what it does is it, it grieves the spirit of God. When we become undone with the presence of God, you know, coming undone is saying, God, I'm yours. Like Isaiah said, I'm yours, God, send me. I'm yours, God. What I think, what I feel, my flesh doesn't even matter at this point. God, I just want to be used for your kingdom. Calls me to be undone. Unravel these things that I have allowed for the enemy to come ravel around me that I was never intended to be wrapped in. And the undoning comes, and I just see in the spirit the Lord just coming and unraveling these, these cloths that you've put upon yourself that is not the robe of Jesus. See, if I want to come undone, the real clothing that I want to have is his robe wrapped around me. I want his robe to come, his garments of praise to come and wrap around me. I don't want my own junk, my own stuff, my own thoughts come and wrap itself around me and be like bondage and hold me bound anymore. But I want to come undone in the presence of God where he can come and begin to unravel things around me in humility that I can just be on my face and saying, God, here I am. Use me, God. Here I am, Lord. In Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is, if it be possible, as much as as lieth in you, live peacefully with all men. Many years ago, um, our friend Bob Jones used to say this, and it was so powerful, and it took me such a while to understand that. But he says, I don't have any enemies. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are you trying to say? Like, what do you mean you don't have any enemies? You don't have anybody against you? Like, you don't ever, like argue with somebody, you know, (laughs) you know, and those are the thoughts that are going through my mind when he said this. And it wasn't that at all. He had no enemies because he chose not to have enemies. He chose to forgive. He chose to love on people. He chose to be fixed on the Lord and only the Lord. And when you came around him, you could feel it and you knew how true that was because you can feel the presence of God and see the love of the Father from his eyes just by him looking at you. And it wasn't because of anything he did. It's because he came to an understanding that that, 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 that love that supersedes all things that we see in the flesh, it takes you to a whole nother level. It takes you to a whole different place. But if we're not allowing him to cause us to be undone, we can't get to that place. We're still going to be, we're not going to be having the, the, the eyes of heaven. We're not going to have clarity in our vision anymore. It's going to be distorted by things, by other things that have nothing to do with the Lord. And it says, focus on Jesus, not on people. The Spirit of God will mend the gaps with people to bring unity. See, I know like when there's things happening around me that I have no control over, I get before the Lord's face and I sit in his presence 
And in that moment of sitting in his presence, just spending time with him and allowing the Lord to come and undo me, he does a work inside of me. He does a mending. He does a rebuilding. He does a restoration inside of me that no man can do for me but him. But I have to get to that place of allowing him to do that. Look what it says in, in Psalms 133, 1 through 3. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Look what, look what he says about unity in this scripture. It's so powerful. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, as the dew of Her Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. Because there was unity, look what it produced. It produced oil. It produced blessing. It produced life forevermore. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that produce of the oil. I want that, that produce of the blessings and the life forevermore. Look how John talks about this. In 17.22, it says, And the glory which, with, with which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. John was like the one that was like he knew love. He was the one that was always so close to Jesus. He was the one always seeking Jesus right there by his side at all times, he had an understanding of the greatness God wanted to do in unity. He understood this very well. And, and, and he even said may, that, that he, he had to encounter this in order for him to give it out. And he said, And the glory which with thou gavest me, I have given them, and that they may be one, even as we are one. When he's saying as we are one, he's talking about the Spirit of God in that verse. He's saying, as me and you are one, and I'm in the glory with you, then I can extend myself out to give it out to others, that they can be in the glory, that they can be one in your spirit, and it can be such a powerful thing for the unity in the body of Christ. See, it has power. I've seen it so many times. So many times have I seen the Lord come in and in unity moves in power. You know that that's the, the, that's the one thing that creates revival? When people are in unity with one another in a place that it pulls on heaven, that heaven has no choice but to show up in the signs and wonders and miracles Peter was talking about this morning. See, what did it say in Isaiah? This was so good. Isaiah was talking about this smoke that came in, right, in Isaiah 6. He talks about the smoke that was created. This smoke that was created was created because of a deep, deep place. They were with the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I want this place to be filled with the glory of God. I want this place 
filled with the smoke that is as thick as the fog that we've walked out of this place seeing sometimes in the morning, in that dew that we've seen. And I wanted to come in this place to begin to manifest. But it only happens when we become one with the Spirit of God and allow him to cause us to become undone. That we'll be like Isaiah and say, man, I just want to become undone. I don't care what I look like. I need you to unravel me. I need you to unravel me. Like there's, there's so many songs we sing that speak of the unraveling, and we sing it like nothing. And it's like you're asking God to come and unravel me. You're asking God, God, come unravel me. Do you even know what that means? It's like taking everything you've wrapped around yourself and unravel everything that he never meant for you to have, that now it's just you're, like you're bare. And it's just you and him now. And there's nothing else. There's not a division between you and the spirit of God anymore. There's not a division between you. There's no gap. You become one. So, uh, so I just began to pray this morning, and I said, God, we have to begin to ask that you come and you cause us to become undone, God, that we get to a place of humility. Let me show you something that was so good. I began to read this earlier. This is in Isaiah 5. Look what he says. In Isaiah 5, and it says, um, let me find it for you. I had it up earlier, but I'm going to pull it up again. It says, Isaiah 5.20, it says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. What sorrow, look on 21, what sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. He says that there's sorrow about that. See, even when we think we're right, there's only one person really right in a situation, and that's Jesus. That's the coming undone. I've had conversations with people where they're determined to make sure that I understand that they're correct and that they're clever and that they're smart. And I'm like, God, humility has to come in in those moments where that pride is unraveled and stripped, that they can become undone in your presence and allow the Lord to ravel them up with something of your Holy Spirit and not pride, not other things that the enemy wants us to be intertwined with, but that your Holy Spirit will come and begin to wrap itself around us with his garment, with, with in, a, in our praise of worship, that he comes and ravels us up with something new, with something we haven't discovered yet. Everybody keeps saying that there's new things that God wants to do. But we, we can't discover those new things if we haven't allowed him to cause us to be undone. And that's my, been my prayer. It's like, God, you're going to send the oil. You're going to send that thick smoke in the air again. You're going to begin to move in power again. You're going to begin to show up in our midst. When we think that he's least going to come is when he shows up for us. When we have in our minds something set, well, you know, I don't know if he's going to show up this time. And God's like, yeah, I show up every single time, no matter what. If you just allow yourself to become undone. 
So let's just stand this morning and let's just pray together. God, we just thank you for everybody who's online. We thank you for everybody who's here this morning, God. We know that this new thing you're trying to show us, God, this new thing you're trying to do this season, God, it's going to take us becoming, becoming undone in your presence, God. It's going to take us surrendering everything at your feet on your throne, God, just to say, like Isaiah, here I am, God, send me, God. Here I am, God, send me, God, for my lips are unclean, God. And all those around me, their lips are unclean, God. But you, you come in, God, and you forgive all of our sins. And you come and you seal things up and you unravel us, God, just so that we can be one with you, one with your spirit, God. So I pray, God, that your oil from heaven, which would cause such a smoke in our midst this morning, God, would cause us to see past the veil this morning, God. I pray for all the beans and all the mouths to be out of our eyes this morning, God. We're nothing without you, God. We need you in every single part of our lives, God. That you would cause us to become undone this morning, God. Just stretch out your hands in front of you this morning. Just receive what he has for you. In the glory is where we see clearly. In the glory is where God shows up and shows us even the things that are impossible, that they're going to become possible. That they become tangible in your hands, that you can feel them in your hands. You can feel the breakthrough in your hands. You can see the breakthrough in a vision. We pray for that tangible undoing, God, on our spirits, on our souls this morning, God, that we become just like you. That we look just like our Father in heaven, God. He's just unraveling you right now. He's just undoing things that you have tended to put on yourself this morning. He's causing you to become undone. That all you have is his spirit, Holy Spirit, and that you become one with Holy Spirit this morning. Unravel us this morning, God. That your oils, just like that ran down Aaron's beard, God, would come and fall on us this morning, God. That oil that comes from heaven, that oil that we can't even produce ourselves, God. It's supernatural, God. I pray that your oils would come and mend and 
and, and even cover bones this morning, God. Those that are watching online and, and they're having pain in their body, God, let that oil come. That hot oil come on their bodies right now and begin to heal it right now. That it would be soothing to their bodies. It would be healing to their bodies right now, God. We pray for those that are in here this morning, God, that have pain in their body, God. That your oils would come. That heated hot oil, God, would come seeping from heaven, God. And would begin to touch the bodies, your children this morning, God. That there would be no more pain, God. Pain would be gone. Pain would be gone, God. In Jesus' name, God. In Jesus' name. Hope is rising. Wipes everything Right now, there's somebody who's watching online that you, you're having some issues. I'm always... It's almost like irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel. Right now, the Lord's going to bring healing to you right now. If that's you right now, you're watching, you can comment below, leave a message. There's a prayer line, 188-406-9115. Right now. Mm. The virtue of heaven being released right now. There's somebody watching who, who's been, you've been tormented in your mind. It's almost like this double-mindedness thing, like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, or should I? It's like you've even questioned if, if what you're hearing is God. <clears throat> I mean, that could be for somebody in here, but I really believe it's for somebody online right now. If that's you, please comment. We want to pray for you right now. Thank you, Father. You see, what the Lord reveals is because he's going to heal right now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Right now, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. We know you're here. Just come and just begin to flood this areas through media. Mm. Right now, in Jesus' name. Right now. Something about knees. I, I feel it on my, my right knee. It's almost like it's on the kneecap. It's on the, if it's on the kneecap, I don't know what that means. If that's somebody that's in here that needs prayer for your kneecap, it's, I feel it on my right one. If that's you watching right now, I need you to just type something, let us know. We're going to pray for you right now. Jesus. And right now in the spirit, I keep hearing keys jingling. I'm hearing keys jingling. Ah. Whoa. I believe, yeah. Woo. And that's for you. Yeah, the keys I keep hearing jingling. It's like the Lord is saying that I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to try to. All, I'm going to just release what I have. I just feel like I just hear the keys jingling. And like the Lord is saying, it's time for you to turn the knob. He says, I've given you the authority. I've given you, I've given you the keys today. And I feel like, like this is just a confirmating, confirming word for you about your season and your walk and your destiny. The Lord is saying, I am releasing the keys of your destiny. It's time for you to begin to turn the knob. Turn the knob and step into the door. It's almost like it's in Isaiah 22, 22. That's a house word, but that's your word. 
that I will give you the keys to the house of David and I will open the doors and no man can shut and I will shut the doors and no man will open those doors that God has shut. So I just declare that is a word for the body right now that we would step into our Isaiah 22, 22 and we release the keys of the house of David, the keys of provision, the keys of blessing, the keys of health and restoration, God. Woo! Yeah. Come on. Come on. Holy Ghost. Listen, there's a presence right now. Woo. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> if you have prayer requests, go ahead and leave your prayer requests. In the media, we're going to have somebody from our team contact you. We'll, we'll be contacting with you. We want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for those that are watching right now all over the world. God bless you. For more information, visit us at esmhub.com, runwithrevival.com. We'll see you soon. And remember, remember, remember to KOF. Keep on fighting.